if the uncleanness of adultery is against the holiness of God in the seventh commandment, the unfairness of stealing is against God's justice in the eighth commandment. Theft is against the upright nature of God, who is always straight and honest. And he expects the same upright standard of all men. Welcome to our Let the Bible Speak program today from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. We continue with our look at the Eighth Commandment, Thou Shalt Not Kill. We also have two hymns, Amazing Grace and Abide With Me, with Valerie Muniz singing for us. We go straight to our few thoughts today from the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 2, we read here that we have the judgment of God according to truth against them which commit such things. And I want to give you the Apostle Paul's five arguments for God's righteous judgment. And number one, he said that the Jews condemned themselves. As they judged others and condemned them, well, they were setting themselves up as judges. But God is the righteous judge the one who is perfect, that judges with perfect knowledge. And therefore, that is an argument for God's righteous judgment. Verse 2, God's judgment is according to truth. The judgment of God is according to truth. Uh, there is no error. There are no miscalculations, no lack of evidence brought forward. God knows the truth, and he applies it in every case, and therefore his righteousness or his judgment is right every time. Also, God's goodness is meant to lead men to repentance. God is not a conniving judge, but rather he desires that men repent and return to God, and that they flee from their punishment, that they might be saved by the grace and mercy of God. And so God's goodness leads men to repentance. Also, we are told here in this chapter that God is no respecter of persons. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, male or female. You are under the same uh, X-ray eyes of God and therefore will be judged equally. Also, God judges men according to light. He has perfect knowledge and he uses that for his own purpose to search the hearts of men and to bring us to repentance that we may trust in him. And as we come today to the Eighth Commandment, I hope that you will uh, know these things and apply them to your own heart. We have now Valerie Meniz to sing, Abide With Me.
We can also rob God of our tithes and offerings. Aha! I know this is a touchy one. And you see, every preacher does this. They find a way to get to the wallet. Well, it fits in here. I cannot but mention this one. And I, as I said earlier, I'm going to attempt tonight to kill the lie of those prosperity gospel preachers who tell you that you just name it and claim it, word of faith, and you can be rich, and God wants you to be rich, and so on. But the one thing we do know, God does not want you to rob him of that first fruits that he gives unto you. This is a basic rule of stewardship, that the first portion is the Lord's. And in the New Testament, we don't specify tithing, but Grace would tell us we ought to do no less, but maybe more. And so a Christian is to endeavor to honor God, obey God, and give to him that which he requires, that first portion. Let me quote Dr. Kearns on this one. Um, his book on the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is called The Chariots of God. I recommend it to you if you can get a copy of it. Let me just read you this three-line quote. In support of God's work, we should give out of love, cheerfulness, and faith, grateful for all the Lord has given to us, and assured that he will meet our needs both now and in the future. Now, that's not the prosperity gospel, because it says he, God will meet our needs. And one great text on that is Philippians 4:19, uh, that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. And so your tithe is never wasted money. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. And as we obey God and work for his kingdom and support his kingdom, the promise is all these things shall be added unto us. And I'm not going to go the route that if you give one dollar, you will get a hundredfold in return. That's nothing to do with money. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. But the television preachers, they use that, and they say that if you give to God, he gives a hundredfold, which is 10,000%, or 3,000% if it's 30-fold. Now, if you're into investing, who wouldn't fall for that? Who wouldn't say, that's a good deal? And if I have faith, and if I have money, and I give to God, I'm going to, have, I'm going to be rich. God never promises to make us rich in earthly terms, meaning that we have more money than others, but he does promise that he will provide our needs. And if it is God's commandment, and we refuse to give God the tithe, then we're robbers of God, and we are denying him that place. Haggai, he talked about putting money in bags with holes. In other words, God can take away your blessings, and all your labor and efforts just seem to come to nothing. Or God can stabilize, strengthen, and support you through even difficult times. Then we can rob God of his day. We're to give one day to God. All of that day, we're to use it for worship and witnessing and walking with God. We've got to make sure that we use all of that day. But I think we also need to look at here robbing our fellow men by shortchanging in business, by a false balance. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, 
but a just weight is his delight. In Deuteronomy 25, 13, divers' weights, a great and a small. And that's an allusion to a trader, and he's buying and selling, and he has this little bag with two stones in it. One's big stone, one's a lesser stone. And when he's buying, well, he always uses the big stone. That's the weight. And then when he's selling, he uses the littler stone. He's selling. So he brings in maybe twice as much for that as he gives out. And so he is using false balances, deceit, fraud. These are things that is an abomination to the Lord. Or withholding the facts. You're selling your car, and you know that if you drive that car more than 25 miles, it heats up. But of course, when you're selling the car, you just drive around the block so it doesn't show up. And you know that if that person's not careful, he's going to have a seized engine and huge bills with this vehicle. You know that. And you decide you're going to sell it. That's why you should never sell a car to your friend. Sell it to the dealer. Let him deal with it. But if you don't disclose what you know, or at least say, well, you know, there is a problem. It heats up. You can check it out for yourself. You're being honest. And you're giving the facts that are required. Or uh, maybe you're serving self and not your employer. Cheating on time and hours that are declared. Uh, I think I spoke once about the night crew that was discovered. And they put a camera in the vehicle. And this night crew was out there supposedly working in the roads. But they spent most of their time in the coffee shop and sitting along the side of the road or in the vehicle. And they hardly put in an hour of real work. God tells us that we rob when we take wages which are not due by claiming false expenses. Well, go preach that in Ottawa. Go to the Senate and tell our senators uh, that when you take money that you really are not due as proper expenses, uh, you're cheating and you're stealing and you're offending God. God's ethics are very clear. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no man seek his own, but another man's wealth. Or Romans 13. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything. And so the eighth commandment tells us we're not to take from someone, neither are we to deny what is rightfully due to another. This is the positive part of the Eighth Commandment. Now, what about preachers? Can they rob their people? Preachers can rob their fellow men as well. They do that by taking support, but don't feed the flock. Preachers can do that. By enjoying all the comforts of a position in the church, but not preaching the whole counsel of God. There are churches in Canada where there are people who do not know John 3, 7. Ye must be born again. They are ignorant of the gospel. They do not know the doctrine of justification by faith alone, that a man can be saved not by works, but by faith only. And many churchgoers, they are denied the truth. And so preachers are robbing them. They take the benefits, but they don't preach the truth to them. And so please understand me. This is my responsibility. I must preach the truth of God to you every week, every opportunity. If I waste your time and expect you to come to God's house and just sit through something that is meaningless, I rob you and I rob God. And so this has a very big, a big uh, extensive application. 
What about parents? Parents, you know the gospel, you know the Bible. Are you presenting it to your children? Are you living it before them or hiding it? The Lord says we are to so live that other men will see the light. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't cover it up. Make the gospel known by your life, or you deny your children, your friends, the light of the gospel that they so desperately need. So let us not be guilty of robbing. We come to the cure. We come to the cure. And this is the the wonderful thing. There is an answer to this systemic problem of stealing, robbing. Live by faith. God will provide. That's the cure. God will provide. And when you're wanting the necessities of life, pray. Rather than plot and scheme how to steal, pray. Ask God for those things that you need. And God comes through many times. If you ever meet Susan Rusma's mother, Mrs. Bolt, You ask her for her wartime stories living in Rotterdam during World War II. The German occupation was starving the people to death. And how, especially in the city, people in the country had a little advantage. They could find food that people in the cities had no access to. But you will hear how God provided in miraculous ways. Talk about the ravens coming to feed Elijah. God answers prayer. Indeed, I read a a story about a little boy having just read the Bible story of Elijah feeding the ravens. And he and his mother, a widow, sat on a wintry night in a fireless room with a bare table. And the boy says, Mom, can I set the door open so we can have Elijah's ravens bring us some food? And his mother said she granted the request. It was a German town, and the burgomaster, who would have been the watchman of the city, noticing the door opening, the dim light on, came to check it out and wanted to know the reason for the door being left open. And the mother told him the boy's request. And he said, well, God just sent you uh, a raven to provide your need. And he, not only that night, but many times to come, help to provide for that family. The psalmist said in Psalm 37, Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. It doesn't say God will make you a millionaire, but thou shalt be fed. Live by faith. That's the cure for breaking the Eighth Commandment. Secondly, live in a calling. Live in a calling. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. The man will not work, neither shall he eat. That's the biblical doctrine. So we're to live in a calling. We're to use the gifts, the talents, the abilities God has given and go to work that God may through that enable us to provide. Freeloaders are thieves. And whether they're freeloading off their neighbors, the church, or the government, freeloaders are thieves. Where there is ability, work, and God will use that to provide. But God is gracious and merciful, and he teaches us to help the needy and those who are in poverty to relieve them. God is gracious, and he can use his church, his people. He can use those who have strength 
and the blessings of life to provide for others. So live in a calling. Repent of the sin of ever stealing. Repent of the sin of ever stealing. There's pardon for it. How do I know? I go to the cross, and I see those three at Calvary, and there was that one thief, and I don't know all that he stole, and I don't know all the crimes that he committed, but he was deemed a malefactor, guilty, to be executed that day, and he cried to the Lord for mercy, and the Lord saved him. And we know that there is power in the atoning blood of Christ to wash any man from any sin. We are told that all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven. And those who have been guilty of stealing, and have we not all been guilty of stealing something, some way, praise God, there's cleansing, and there's washing, and there's victory through the cross work of the Lord Jesus. Now, for Achan, he came under the law, and he was stoned to death. He, his wife, and his family, they were stoned to death. You can see that mound of rocks that covered their bodies. The law cannot save, but Christ does. And this is the good news of the gospel. We have a cure for those who are living with the guilt of sin. And as I would look through those bars of the prison, and I would preach to those who are guilty of this crime of breaking the Eighth Commandment, I've got good news for you. I don't have a key to open this gate right now, but I have a message that will set your heart free. And you can be cleansed from the filth of this crime, and you can have peace with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus. There was a lady power score who lay dying in her castle. And a friend who was on intimate terms with her came into the room and said, How are you today, Lady Powers Court? Very well. I tell you what I've been thinking of. I've been thinking that one needs a great many scriptures to live by, but only one to die by. And what is that? The only scripture a person needs to die by is this. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth me from all sin. And she went on to say, that verse has never been sweeter to me than it is today. Now, I want you to look at your hands, and I want you to be honest with God. Have those hands ever been guilty of theft? What if there had been a secret die on that object that you stole that did not appear the moment you touched it, did not appear the day that you stole it, but began to become obvious later that marked you as a thief? Such as happens. Some people protect their property by that means. But just think of when we stand on the judgment day before God. And the x-ray eyes of God will look upon your hands. What color will they be? Black with the stain of thievery. Thou shalt not steal, but you have stolen. How shall you give account? How shall those black hands be cleansed? There's only one power in all the world that can cleanse black and make them white, and that's the crimson red blood of Jesus. And if you feel guilty today of the crime of breaking the Eighth Commandment, I point you to Calvary, to the crimson blood of Christ, where you can be cleansed and washed from all of your sin. Here's the cure 
for favor. And when your heart is broken over your sin, and when you repent and you turn away from it, and the Lord in mercy washes you from your sin, you will never want to be a thief again. You will never want to be guilty of committing this crime again. You will desire that you live righteous and godly. So there we have the the causes, the many sorts of, and the cure for the crime of stealing. Will you go to the cure today? Will you take Christ as your Savior to wash away your sin and give you peace with God? If only someone could have preached that to Achan. If only someone could have told Achan there's a way to peace with God. I wonder. But here we are preaching it to you today. And we're not lifting the stone to condemn you. We're telling you the way of mercy, the way of freedom, the way of the cross. May God speak on.
It has been often said that God's children do not know what the future holds, but they know the one who holds the future, and in whose hands reposes all power in heaven and in earth. He is able to subdue all things unto himself. And, of course, that's the lesson of trusting, putting our complete confidence in the Lord our God, that he will work out those needs in life, that he will provide answers to those problems, and above all, that he will bring us one day to glory. And the promise is that he that hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's Philippians 1, verse 6. May the Lord strengthen your faith today and bless you richly. And if I can be of personal help, make sure you give me a call. Now we have the announcements. Stay tuned as we bring to you these messages. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604 897 2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdalefpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30pm. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30am from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdalefpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdalefpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.